M A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Welcome to Main Menu for March 25th, 2011. I'm Jamie Pauls. This week, a tech update from Chase Crispin. David Woodbridge shows us how to explore the keyboard on a Mac using voiceover. And Daryl Shandro and I talk CSUN 2011 and technology in general. That's all coming up on this edition of Main Menu. Tech Update a technology news segment heard on ACB Radio's main menu and Accessible World's Tech Talk. Hello, main menu and Tech Talk. This is Chase Crispin with the tech update for the week of March 23rd, 2011. The reason there was no tech update last week is because there was a lack of technology news, but this week there is an abundance of technology news due to the CSUN 2011 conference that occurred this past week, where a lot of new technology was unveiled, more information about certain technology was released. So there's a lot of things I'd like to cover from the conference. There is audio coverage of the CSUN conference available from various sources, so you can get audio directly from the conference. Two great sites to get CSUN coverage from are Blind Bargains at blindbargains.com and Serotalk at S-E-R-O-T-A-L-K dot com. GW Micro is once again entering the hardware market, this time with two high-definition video magnifiers, the Aurabis and the Vocatex, the O-R-A-B-I-S and V-O-C-A-T-E-X. What sets these magnifiers apart from other magnifiers is that that they display in HD, which is high definition, and they read what you show. They have sort of an OCR function built in. So for low vision users that like to look at the text but have eye strain after a while, these two magnifiers can read to you what you have taken a picture of to magnify. So this means that... There's also functions built in, like the ability to show which word is being said. These are brand new offerings from GW Micro, and you can find more about these two new magnifiers by visiting the GW Micro homepage at gwmicro.com. Levelstar and APH are now announcing more about their forthcoming Orion products. We now know that one for sure will have a braille display. That's 18 cells, one will not. They will use the Avona, I-V-O-N-A, high-quality voices, And we have learned a few other things, such as the price will be interesting, they'll be small enough to fit on your belt, and a few other little tidbits that you can pick up from audio interviews at the previously mentioned links. One of these tidbits is the fact that APH will be including a GPS package in it. More information will be forthcoming on the Orion from levelstar.com and APH.org. APH has released a new virtual GPS program for the PC, called APH Talking PC Maps. This product allows you to virtually explore an area using your keyboard. You can explore the intersections and streets and even the POIs or points of interest around that area. You can also create a route and navigate it with the keyboard and print or emboss that route. To learn more about this product, visit APH.org. For you Plex Talk Pocket users, there is a new version available, which is version 5, 
which allows support for playing internet radio, a built-in text editor, and many other new major enhancements. Notice, for Bookport Plus users, this is almost identical to the update I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that is now in public beta for the Bookport Plus, but this is only for the PlexTalk Pocket. To learn more, visit PlexTalk.com. The company Dolphin has released several new enhancements for their products for their speech and magnification and braille and all those products. Their new updates allow many more features support for a lot more new applications and some exciting web-based developments. I won't specifically elaborate on each item here as I don't really have enough time, but if you visit yourdolphin.com you can find out about these enhancements. A company called Tactile World is announcing a new Tactile Mouse product. It is loosely based on the design of the old Opticon, and it allows you to feel what's on your screen, and it has features like vibrating and two braille cells that can show images or braille. This is estimated to be available for $700. We do not know very much info besides this at this point. If you are a user of any barcode scanning products, this announcement will have an impact on you. Two of the largest providers of accessible barcode scanning information, BC Scan and Directions for Me, have combined to provide packaging information. Directions for Me at directionsforme.org is a website where you can get information that's on the packages of several products. And BC Scan is a website for barcode scanning for the visually impaired. These two websites have teamed up, so now if you scan something with your barcode scanner in BC Scan, you will get the info that is on that product's package if it is in the Directions For Me database. This means that when you scan a product with BC Scan, you will get much more information. To learn more about this collaboration, visit bcscan.com or directionsforme.org. For any of you using the mobile accessibility package from Code Factory on Android, and if your 30-day trial is about to expire, stay tuned to the Android market for the official release, paid release, for this suite of applications. This week, this product should be available for a cost of $95. Again, this gets you many accessible applications like a basic screen reader, contacts, email, web browser, a basic GPS package, and more. To learn more about the app or download the trial or purchase it on your Android device, open the Android market and search for mobile accessibility. Or to learn more about it, visit codefactory.es. And finally this week, Hims, the makers of the BrailleSense and VoiceSense products, which were formerly sold in the U.S. by GW Micro, has released new software for all of their newest generation note-taking products, including the BrailleSense on hand. This version adds a Bible, several new games, support for Twitter using a Twitter client, a Google Talk client, and several word processor bug fixes. Visit hims-inc.com, H-I-M-S-I-N-C.com to learn more about this update. This will conclude the tech update for Main Menu and for Tech Talk for the week of March 23, 2011. I'm Chase Crispin. Remember, if you would like to see a text transcript of this tech update, please visit blindmobiletech.com. 
Thank you for listening to this week's Tech Update. If you have any comments or anything you would like to see added to next week's Tech Update, please call the Tech Update comment line at 206-337-4383 and be sure to listen to next week's Main Menu and Tech Talk. The following program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. Hi, in this quick demonstration, I want to show you how to enable yourself to explore the keyboard using VoiceOver on the Apple Mac. So I've currently got VoiceOver running, which I turned on by pressing Command key plus F5, the Command key being to the left of your spacebar, and pressing F5 or Function key 5. The way to explore the keyboard with VoiceOver is to go into Keyboard Help with VoiceOver, which is actually Control and Option held down, referred to as the VO keys or just VO for short, plus K. So I'm doing Control Option K. Starting Keyboard Help. Type keys to hear their names. Hold down the voiceover keys while typing to hear voiceover commands. Press the escape key at the top left corner of the keyboard to stop help. And as voiceover just said, we can press any key on the keyboard. We can also do voiceover commands as well. So let's press a function key, F1. F1. F2. F3. Okay, let's press the top left hand key of the keyboard, which should be the escape key. Now, if I press it now, which I will, I'll show what happens, we'll actually exit keyboard help. So I'm pressing escape. Escape. Stopping keyboard help. Okay, so let's go back into keyboard help with control option K again. Starting keyboard help. Type keys to hear their names. Hold down the voiceover keys while typing to hear voiceover commands. Press the escape key at the top left corner of the keyboard to stop help. Now I'm using a MacBook keyboard, so let me press the bottom left hand key on the keyboard, the far left hand side. FN. FN, function key, and then, and then we've got Control Next to the right Option Next to the right Command And next to the right Space Space My main alphabet keys, so the home row would be A S D F G H J K L Semicolon And let's do a voiceover command, so we just did Control Option K for keyboard help Let's press that command and see what it says Control, Option, K. Option, Control, K, Keyboard Help, Starts Keyboard Help. And you can do any voiceover command and it will tell you the function like any other screen reader. Now if you happen to be using a MacBook with a multi-touch trackpad on it, voiceover also supports gestures as it does on the iPhone 3GS. So if I touch the keypad Sorry, if I touch the trackpad, sorry, um, it'll actually tell me the command. So if I just touch the trackpad with one finger. Touch, move to item on your finger. Moves the voiceover cursory by following a finger on the trackpad. If I double tap once, sorry, double tap one finger twice. Touch, move to item on your finger. Double tap, perform action for item. Performs the default action on the item in the voiceover cursor. Okay, if I do three fingers and touch... Three finger tap, speak current page and scroll area, speaks the currently displayed scroll page. And so on. So you've got the keyboard exploration with just pressing your standard keys. You've got the commands for voiceover by pressing control, option, etc. and other key keys on the keyboard. And you've also got the ability to be able to 
practice the trackpad gestures for voiceover. And of course, the way to escape keyboard help is, as I said before, press the escape key. Escape, stopping keyboard help. So if you need help on any other voiceover questions or anything else to do with the Apple Mac, please ring the Adaptive Technology Help Desk at Vision Australia on 1300 847 466. Bye. Vision Australia. Blindness and low vision services. The preceding program was produced by Vision Australia. Visit them on the web at www.visionaustralia.org. This week I'm joined with Daryl Shandro and his wife Karen, and we are going to discuss CSUN 2011. So, Daryl, welcome to Main Menu once again. Awesome. Jamie, thank you for having me on the show this evening. Very good. Um, I know that you guys were out there for how many days, actually? I'm, I was trying to remember. Uh, essentially, uh, essentially four days. We got in uh, uh, Wednesday morning and left Saturday evening. Okay. Now, I'm sure there are people listening who maybe really don't quite know what CSUN is. Why don't you go ahead and just kind of give a brief description of what that conference is all about? CSUN is, uh, it stands for California State University at Northridge. That's the university that's, that sponsors this conference. It, it's, an, it's an assistive technology conference, um, and it's, it's not a consumer-oriented uh, conference, actually. Instead, it's a, so it's not like the ACB or NFB conventions. Instead, it's a conference where the vendors, the educators, you know, it's more, it's more the people who provide products and services in the assistive technology field to sort of meet and um, demonstrate, you know, uh, uh, demonstrate exhibits, uh, hold presentations, all of that uh, sort of stuff in the disability field, you know, field of work with people with disabilities. Um, so um, as a result, um, you do find a good number of blind people and others with disabilities, but even more sighted people and you know people without disabilities at these conferences so it's a, it's a very it's it's in some ways a very different uh view than say if you attend the acb or nfb conventions and you go down to the exhibit hall um however it's it's it is a very um uh, it is very educational and uh there are lots of uh lots of really cool people to meet lots of uh interesting technologies to see and just kind of to give us a little perspective, how many years have you been able to go to CSUN? So uh, this was my third CSUN. I went in 05 and 06, and then uh, this year in 11, and it's uh, Karen's first CSUN. Very good. Uh, what were you kind of looking forward to? Because I know when you go to anything like that, there's always things that you hope to see. Well, I, I have an, a very uh, potentially very different take when I go somewhere. Um, you know, um, I I was looking forward to um, meeting up with uh, old you know old uh, acquaintances that I know, people that I know, and um, spending time with friends and uh, seeing the exhibits. I did not go to any of the sessions. Uh, however, I did participate in a, a Google focus group, which I can say 
a little bit about. I have to be I have to be a little cautious there, but I can I can sort of describe what Google was doing at CSUN. So Google Focus Group exhibits and mo- most important networking and socialization for me. Very good. Why don't you go ahead since we're you've mentioned it, go ahead and just tell us what you can about that focus group because I know there's a lot of interest in Google uh, with regard to accessibility right now. Yes, um, as many of you may know, um, the National Federation of the Blind has asked the Department of Justice to look into the use of Google Apps in the uh, K-12 and university uh, higher educational settings um, for a number of universities because uh, Google Apps are um, either not fully accessible in the case of Gmail and Google Calendar and Google Reader and things of that sort, or they're, or they're really not accessible at all, as in the case of Google Docs. So um, I, um, not knowing uh, how that, re- you know, whether, it, whether that has to do with, with their presence or, at CSUN or not, nevertheless, Google was present, was very highly present at CSUN, especially on Wednesday. They held a number of focus groups for, um, for different types of users, um, so um, it was it was very uh, it was very interesting. So um, Karen and I and uh, our friend Allison were all we all applied because a link was uh, sent out on Twitter and elsewhere and various uh, email lists and social media venues uh, a few weeks before a couple of weeks before CSUN, inviting people to fill out a short survey um, with the possibility of being able to participate in a focus group at CSUN. And what was awesome was the three of us who were hanging out together at the conference all got selected for the same focus group at the same time. <laughs> how how awesome is that? Absolutely. So, so we went to the we went to the focus group and um, we got to um, we got to talk with Google and essentially they they were very much uh, in presence at CSUN. They were in listening mode. So essentially, um, they asked us how we use technology how we use the internet, how we use uh, uh, assistive technology, and and they listened. They We all got to talk about our experiences, not just with Google products, which we did talk about, mm-hmm. uh, kind of especially in our group. I think uh, a couple of us really focused on Google Docs um, because a lot of, uh, of employers use Google Docs for collaboration. Right. Um, on projects, so that's very a very important thing to some of us, um, and I and I think that uh, that really Google was was totally in listening mode. They did not make any announcements or promises about accessibility, but I also I also felt like they were very receptive, um, and and so um, I hope this results in some positive actions. I'm also aware that um, a, a there was another more highly technical focus group for developers and they actually kind of got into the nuts and bolts of uh, you know JavaScript Ajax um, you know all that all those platforms on which Google uh, Google software is made and they talked about how to make those more accessible very good well, it was great that you got to be a part of that you and Karen and, and Allison got to actually share in that that's wonderful news it was we we had a great time. Um, I have to say that um, that the um, there was a video opportunity afterwards, um, and a couple of us participated in that. 
they talked with me, I think, for about 45 minutes. Um, and uh, they basically ended up kind of telling them my life story, you know, the technology aspect of my life story, I should say, from, you know, being a... Um, you know, kind of a pre-teenager, 11-ish, you know, getting into getting into ham radio and all the way through to how the net, how, how the, the web has revolutionized my life in a technology perspective. So I think that they were, they were, they asked a lot of really uh, serious questions of me, you know, they, they seem to be engaged on that front as well. So I guess I just have to say about Google that I'm hopeful. Wonderful. That's, that's great news. So, in just kind of um, looking around the uh, the conference, visiting with people and and observing what was going on, what were some things that surprised you in a good way? I wouldn't necessarily say anything there this year really, really surprised me. I guess I would say, at least for the blind community, I would guess I would say the real headline was a unique product called eyeglasses by Ambutech. Um, they had. They had an interesting um, exhibit um, where they have these glasses that you can put on, and they're they're vibratory glasses. Mm-hmm. So they will help you find overhanging obstacles, you know, things in front of you that your cane won't find, mm. uh, from ten to two and a half feet in front of you. Wow! And if uh, so, if you're going to run into a tree branch or something like that before you get to it. Your glasses vibrate uh, around your nose, essentially. Um, did you actually get to try some on? Yes, I did. It was very interesting. Um, by the way, they only cost one hundred and twenty dollars. That's not bad. Ambutech, a m b u t e c h dot com. Um, they're a thick pair of glasses. We asked if they. Um, some of us asked if they would be stylish uh, or not, and we got different answers on that. Mm. The obstacle detection seems to work work really well. I actually kind of want a pair of these. I think they would really help. Um, here here in the Phoenix area, we have a lot of transit centers where there are low-hanging tree branches and things that that you can hit your head on. Um, and it would sure be nice to uh, know about those so you can duck your head before it's uh, kind of too late. Yeah. So, yeah, Ambutech eyeglasses. It's the letter I followed by the word glasses. Okay. Very good. So let's um, let's swing the other direction. Was there anything that that disappointed you? Um, any anything you expected to see that you didn't? I always look for technologies that are going to just really make the world more accessible for me as a blind person. Mm-hmm. And I saw some interesting new technologies, but. I mean, I didn't. I didn't. I guess I didn't see something that just really totally knocked my socks off. Right. Um, my iPhone. My iPhone did that, but I, you know, my iPhone four, but I didn't see that at CSUN. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, there were some, uh, and and I guess um, I would say though, if you didn't already know about some technologies that are there, they might be revolutionary. So. Um, I could I could say you know Looktel was there with their money reader app. Yeah, that's really ca- ca- causing quite a a stir actually right now, isn't it? Uh, it it's shocking the the speed and reliability at which money reader works is just 
uh, astounding. And I guess again for those who are, are listening, money uh, money to, uh, sorry money reader is a program, an app for the iPhone, correct? Yeah, you install it on your iPhone and you open it and it's 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 it turns on the LED if you have an iPhone 4. If not, you need to be a little more concerned about lighting. Right. But um it turns on your uh, LED and then you just uh put bills in front of it basically, you know, yeah. US currency anything from a dollar to a $100 bill. You just put it in front of there and pretty much immediately it has self-voicing it says $5, hmm. $20. I mean it is just like <laughs> it's it's snappy. Yeah. It's it's really as fast as an eye bill, I would say. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, um, really, you know, some people say, well, you have to use camera technique. And I, and I say, well, okay, fine. You also have to have to place the, uh, the edge of the, you know, the front edge of the bill into the eye bill also. So you have exactly, either way, right. you have to do something to, to get the process started. Sure. Um, so, you know, I would say anybody who has an iPhone 3GS or an iPhone 4, I think it also works with the iPod Touch 4 or the uh, iPad 2 camera. Mm -hmm. If you have an iDevice with a camera, I think the money reader is the best $2 you'll ever spend. Also, um, I'm also really jazzed. Um, I wasn't sure that I would be, but um, since I got a pretty thorough demonstration of it i'm i'm pretty jazzed about read to go which is bookshare's new i ios app okay there's kind of a myth going around i heard this uh at a uh, i heard this uh mentioned at a, uh, a, a kind of a dinner meeting that i uh that i was uh involved with with a number of uh, friends and acquaintances someone there said well you can't read you know you can't read the uh books with voiceover you have to use acapella you know because it, it, it comes with acapella right uh uh, the Heather and Brian acapella voices. And I was like, wow, that's disappointing. I'll have to look into that. So at the Bookshare party Thursday night, though, I got a very detailed demonstration of read to go on, on an iPad. And in fact, you can turn off acapella and you can use voiceover. And it works not only with speech output, but with Braille displays as well. Um, the cool thing about read to go is it will download your books straight into the app you don't have to transfer them through itunes or anything of that sort nice downloads them straight out of the cloud you know straight off of bookshare servers and right into the app and they're immediately ready for reading and you know of course since most bookshare files are not 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 very large yeah. because they're files essentially daisy text um that whole process takes you know very little time um and if you want to use acapella, you can. Um, I, I'm not sure how uh, well that'll work for many of us blind people, though, because there's no easy way to start and stop the speech mm. or navigate. If you're very comfortable with your iDevice and you explore it and really learn where the controls, where the app controls are so that you can just double tap them immediately mm -hmm. instead of flick around the screen, then you you may uh, get some better use out of the acapella voice. Um, and, and again, I believe that the issues there are the fact that Apple doesn't give developers a lot of direct gesture control. Okay. Um, so they they can't just take that over. So there's, there's really, um, I guess, trying to figure out how to implement quicker navigation when you're not reading with voiceover. Right. But uh, but I'm gonna get the app. I wasn't, um, you know, before CSUN, I was really thinking, no, I'm not gonna bother with it. But now 
It is a $20 app, but you know what? As soon as it, as soon as it hits the streets, I'm getting it. It has been submitted to Apple, so it should be available any day. Okay. We can certainly talk about what is be, was being presented at CSUN, uh, but I'm kind of curious as to what attendees were using as far as technology. What, you know, because some years you go to conference and you, or if you listen to the presentations later, you'll hear lots of uh, note takers start up and you'll recognize a little sound and you'll like, okay, right. everyone's using such and such. What were people using this year? Well, it was it was uh, it was pretty diverse. There were still a lot of note takers. Um, you know, um, there's there's a there's a debate there about whether to use note takers or mainstream technology. There was a lot of both. I saw you know there were a lot of there were a lot of iPhones there. Um, a number of us were using uh, a, an app on the iPhone called Haytel mm -hmm. to communicate with one another um, throughout the conference. Um, you had myself. Uh, Mika, Frank, Byron, uh, you know, our own, you know, Byron Lee, who does the talk zone here on uh, Mainstream. Right. And, um, you know, a number of others, uh, even uh, Jonathan Mosen was on at one point on the, we had this public relay. So we had this awesome little, basically like a radio channel. Oh, wow. You could double tap the public relay. And if you wanted uh, to get a message out to everyone who attend, attend CSUN and, selects that public relay then you could broadcast a message out to all the users very cool on um so that was kind of interesting so there were a lot of there were quite a few iphones um a lot of note takers um the braille note uh, is still pretty popular mm -hmm. um the new apex right uh, braille note and um i i so i really saw braille notes iphones and a couple of androids um at the table Wednesday night, the DC night out uh, dinner meeting, um, Byron showed us his. I think it was a Motorola, a Motorola Droid with uh, mobile accessibility on board, and that was and that was interesting. I, I'm I'm not a I'm not much of an Android fan at all, and and we can certainly uh, discuss that in, uh, briefly. But sure. but um, but it, but it, it did work. I you know it did really. Um, it, it I did see him use it. He does have a significant amount of sight. Mm -hmm. And did tell me that, well, yes, when I use the droid, I use my sight a little bit. And when I use my iPod Touch, I really don't have to. So that kind of tells, tells you at least one person's experience. And that, and that experience, I know, has been echoed by a number of others as well. So um, it means that in, in my belief is that with Android, we're not there yet mm -hmm. from an accessibility perspective. Well, let's kind of stay on this note-taker debate because it really is raging right now, and I have some pretty strong opinions, and I suspect you you do too. Why don't you go ahead and give me your thoughts on note-takers versus mainstream products? Is there a place for a specialized note-taker anymore, do you think? Well, first of all, I want to preface all of this by saying I strongly believe in consumer choice, and that's why, for instance... Even though I'm definitely assimilated into the iPhone, <laughs> into the iPhone Alliance right. or the iPhone Collective or Hive Mind or whatever, so to speak, um, I do tweet. You know, I do retweet some of the Android access stuff and you know interesting things that I find out about Android. Mm -hmm. Well, it's the same with the note takers. So, uh, essentially, um, um, saying that first of all, I believe in choice. Right. Um, however. 
I think that the days of specialized note takers must, they have to go away. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, so, so we have like five or six different companies, you know, making note takers, right? We have APH slash Level Star, we have Humanware, we have HIMS, um, you know, uh, we have um, the, the Pronto, I guess, that's another one that's out there. Um, you know, we, we have a we have a we have a, a few companies, I should say, making note takers. Right. And we have quite a you know, FS of course with the PacMate. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we have these note takers competing with one another. But they're all, you know, gosh, uh, four thousand dollar, six thousand dollar machines. Right. And they're 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 very specialized, okay? So so um you know, a new technology comes out and you want to use it. Forget it. It's not. You know, it's not there. Right. You know, you're not gonna. You're not gonna be able to use it. Your note taker is a box, and it's 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 had been programmed for you to do a certain amount, certain you know, set of tasks. And if you want to do something new, then you just have to hope that um, your note taker maker uh, manufacturer is on board with that and has come out with an update, which then you can pay for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas, whereas with my iPhone. Um, you know, um, I get it to get it. I want to scan money. Okay, two dollar app. I just uh, went on the app store and and had it on my iPhone in, you know, thirty. Uh, you know, let's let's say ninety seconds tops. Right. You know, and it's there and it's ready to go. Mm-hmm. It's ready to scan money. I mean, you can't do that with a note taker. The note taker, you're stuck with what you're stuck with. Um, however, um. One of my friends said, she said, well, she said, on the other hand, you know, my note taker is instant on. I don't have to worry about a Bluetooth keyboard, a Bluetooth braille display, a Bluetooth headset, you know, this and that. It's, uh, I, 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 I have to work, I work in the exhibit hall and all I have to do is set my note taker down on the table and turn it on and I'm, and it's in the file I was in last and, and I can just start typing away. Mm-hmm. And 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 you know I really can't quite do that on the iPhone. Right. So so that is the that is the argument you know sort of in favor of of the note taker. It is it's specialized. The company knows, you know, or at least can be ex- potentially expected to know what a blind person needs, especially for the Braille note takers. There's a lot of better, more native Braille support in them than there will be in an a, you know an Apple device, for instance. Um, so there are there are benefits to note takers. Mm-hmm. However, Jamie and everybody, I, I think the issue is going to come down to economics. Right. Um, we are now in a situation where a lot of states are cutting back on everything. They're cutting back on, uh, you know, for for goodness sakes, they're cutting down back massively on health care and people are dying. So you can only imagine that they're cutting back on rehabilitation services and cutting back on their ability and willingness to pay for expensive assistive technologies. And, and, and I think, you know, uh, sadly, from that perspective, um, it, it's really going to be, uh, be hard on the note-taker part of the assistive technology industry. Um, I just don't see states spending... Um, you know, five thousand dollars on a machine when they can get, 
you know, like an iPod Touch or an iPhone off the open market for, you know, $300, say. Right. And then get a Braille, a Bluetooth keyboard or a Braille, Braille display or like one of those new Braille pen uh, where they have the 12-cell Braille display and the Braille keyboard for another $1,000. Mm-hmm. You know, okay, so you spent $1,400 instead of, say, 3000 or $4,000. Right. And, and you know what? Then that, then that makes, uh, you know, the, the rationale behind that, too, is and that makes more money available to get somebody else a piece of technology. Good. That, that's a good point. I'm, I mean, I, I'm in the same situation where in my job right now, I am currently using a specialized note taker. And, yeah, I work with children in the classroom setting. I need to grab the note taker, make a quick note, stash it and go on to my next task. Some things I need to be able to search for a file very quickly, add, delete text in the matter of like a matter of maybe two minutes tops. Some things that would be difficult to do with some of the mainstream products. But at the same time, I'm, I agree with you totally. The idea of the $6,000 note taker that tries to do everything and maybe doesn't do half of it nearly as well as it should those days are are quickly coming to an end. So I am hearing what you're saying. I think you and I are probably on the same page. A device, a Braille display that maybe has some capabilities in it that would be able to interface with the mainstream device um, so that maybe, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you would have some of that functionality, but certainly not try to buy get the note-taker that, that supposedly surfs the web, does chat, Twitter... You know the whole nine yards. Well, it, it's very interesting. Uh, I was playing around with, um, I, I was playing around with uh, a friend's um, Braille Note Apex yesterday, for instance, and I I noticed that there is a uh, there's an option on there for um, chat. Mm-hmm. And I opened it up, and she she had not used this functionality before. And I opened it up, and I was like, okay, who are we chatting with? You know, ask for a username and password, but it didn't say, you know, is this Twitter? Is this MSN? Hmm. You know, I I, I couldn't figure that out. So it's like they're, you know, they're sort of shielding you from from that aspect of it, that mainstream aspect of it, but to the point where I didn't know what I was supposed to do with it. I didn't know which account. Right. Right. We were talking about, are we talking about Google Talk, for goodness sakes? I mean, I just didn't know. Right. Well, and I I think another aspect of this whole discussion is I've had my iPod Touch since this past June. Um, And there are still things, not so much today, but there over the course of learning the device, uh, there have been things that I thought was going to be difficult. You know, a task that I approach and my first thought is, oh, man, this is going to be hard using a touchscreen device. And it's not. So no. I, I have pushed the envelope of, of my own expectations and have been pleasantly surprised. So the things that I think, I mean, I think some of the things I mentioned are, are not going to be real easy for me to do on this, the mainstream device right now. But who's to say in the future that those things might not improve? And who's to say that if my note taker that I'm using right now, you know, was to bite the dust tomorrow, I might find myself doing a lot more with my... Um, iPod than I thought was possible. Well, you know, I just think it. I think it's all very interesting because um, some of my, you know, 
friends on the note taker side of the house um, have actually seen me use the iPhone as a voice note taker. I don't have a braille display hooked up to it, but right. they've seen me use it as a voice note taker. And all I got to do is whip out my, you know, whip out my Bluetooth keyboard, my Apple Bluetooth keyboard. And, you know, within two seconds or so, I'm ready to type, you know, I'm ready to uh, not only that, but I can navigate the device. Right. So, um, and I've used that to uh, now to um, in a meeting. I've used that to do uh, tweet several uh, events that I've attended. I use that that method to work on a on a project uh, that uh, that we um, kind of that we executed at CSUN, a journalism project. And so it it really is. There are so many uh, note taker aspects that you can do. And the other thing is definitely with the at least with the iPhone, I think a lot of people don't realize that most people do not turn their eye device eye device off completely. Mm, right. An eye device is usually in locked mode, kept in locked mode. Mm-hmm. Not at least many of us. I know I keep my eye device in locked mode, not off mode. Right. I I never power mine down unless I need to reboot for some reason or something. Exactly. Yeah. Right, which you do once in a great while, once right. every like, few weeks or something. Sure. But but so so essentially, you know, one of the the arguments, well, you don't have instant on. I'm like, well, I do. My <laughs> yeah. It's always on. I hold the button in on my Apple keyboard for a second or two, and then I push and when I push an arrow key or, or a key on the keyboard, it's there. Mm-hmm. And you know, I I unlock the device, and it's even in the last app that I that I use. So if I if I if I am using it as a note taker, then I just keep keep notes open. Right. So you know, it's it's definitely um, I do I do really empathize with some of the you know advantages um, that people see in the note takers, but I think we're going to have to get used to a new paradigm. So uh, you you say that you know you are an iPhone user and and you are definitely um, pleased with that uh, product and with the developments on it. Um, how do you think that the Android access is going? What are your thoughts there? I'm uh, I'm actually um, I'm deeply concerned right now with the state of Android access because um, I I am fearing that we could find ourselves in another box, kind of similar to the note taker box. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember when you know Freedom Scientific came out with the PacMate, mm-hmm. and and they said, well. It's based on Windows Mobile technology, so if if something if you want to be able to do something new, then you know unlike the Braille Note, um, or something like the Braille Note, you're going to be able to install the software on your PacMate and use it, you know, just right along with your sighted peers. Right. Okay, but but it didn't work out, right? Because they they didn't. It wasn't a mainstream product, really. They didn't, um, you know, they didn't um, have you just never really worked out. Yes, there were a couple of wireless, mainstream wireless cards you could use. I think some people did install some apps. I think I installed one or two interesting pieces of software, and you could install some drivers. But, but by and large, it remained, you know, a pro- proprietary um, note taker. Um, and the same, you know, with the the icon when it came out. And you know, the icon and Braille Plus. They said, oh yeah. It's based on Linux, so you're going to be able to go in and install, you know, programs that were written in Linux, and you know, there's going to be a software developer's kit and all this, and and uh, it's an open note taker. But you know, and again, 
with with the exception of maybe two or three geeky guys and gals out there in the world, it didn't come to fruition, you know? Right. It was never really a way to install apps. There were not apps created for it really very much outside of those developed by APH Levelstar. Um, and, and, you know, you still had a closed note taker. So now what's going on with Android, Google has a, a very um, kind of bare-bones screen reader called TalkBack. Mm-hmm. Another one called Spiel exists, which I think does apparently does a little more, but is still not anywhere close to voiceover on iOS. And now we have Code Factory with mobile accessibility. Mm-hmm. And mobile accessibility is two things really it's a it's a screen i guess it's it's a screen reader and it's a suite of apps right so okay so there you go you have your suite of apps just like you know you have a suite of apps on your braille note right you have your word processor your your uh calcul- scientific calculator mm-hmm. you know and your your planner and all that your 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 email program and your contacts right and uh now you have a suite of apps on mobile accessibility. And even the screen reader portion of it, see, see everyone, here's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Code Factory is apparently making available an API so that apps can talk through their screen reader to the blind user. This is not Google. We're not talking about Google's accessibility API. We're talking about another layer, Code Factory, sitting on top of Google, on top of Android. Right. So uh, there, there is almost no, no mainstream app developer out there that's going to sit there, even if they might be willing to make their app accessible, they're not going to sit there and code their app to an, to an API that's made by another small company right? or to make their app accessible. It's just almost never going to happen. And and the concern is the the worry is also that Google is not um, it might let Google off the hook you know I mean we we what we really want is at, at a minimum for Google to improve their their accessibility APIs for Android mm-hmm. and just for those who are um, who are not understanding what an API is it stands for Application Programming Interface and it's essentially how how computer programs talk to one another through an operating system. Right. You know, in theory, it sounds good until you realize that, well, that means that we're going to have Code Factory's suite of apps, and then we're going to have a screen reader that might sort of work with a few other apps. Mm-hmm. Whereas whereas with, with iOS, on the other hand, there there are... There is a document, there's a developer's guide for Apple, an accessibility programming guide made by Apple. There, there are a couple of other articles and podcasts that have, been, that have been circulated out there about how to make your app voiceover accessible. And pretty much if you follow those recommendations, you're going to have an accessible app. And it's, and it's written to Apple's API, so developers more likely say, oh, yeah, okay, this is what Apple recommends. Let's do it. Right. Not, not this is what a little company in Spain called Code Factory recommends. I'm not sure if I want to go that far. No yeah. offense, no offense meant to Code Factory, by the way. I'm, I'm very. I think it's very awesome that Code Factory is nimble enough now that they basically got, um, you know, got slammed by Microsoft leaving accessibility out of Windows Phone Seven. Right. Um. You know, they've 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 shown 
um, they've shown that they're nimble and that they're able to adapt by um, sort of switching over to, to to another mainstream platform. My only concern is let's not turn Android into another uh, platform where you know where we have devices. Uh, and or software suites similar to the icon or keysoft yeah that's those are those are good points and very valid valid concerns i think and here's and here's the other thing right so the paradigm has changed too jamie mm-hmm. so um you know, once upon a time we were all used to you know the fact that well on our on our windows computers you know we have to buy a 500 dollar plus screen reader mm-hmm in order to use our computer, right? That was just the way it was. And even, even with, uh, you know, when, when smartphones became accessible, we had to pay $300 or so to get, you know, talk or mobile speak on our phones right. um, to make it accessible. But, you know, then Apple came out with the built-in voiceover screen reader in their, you know, Mac operating system and then added voiceover to, uh, you know, the iPod and the iPhone and the iPad, They've changed the paradigm. They actually have a good screen reader that's built into the device that you can turn on very easily. You plug your device in, uh, make a few adjustments in iTunes, and your device says voiceover on. Yep. And that's it. It says voiceover on, and it's on. <laughs> yeah. Turn on, then you can turn on this feature called Triple Click Home, where you can just uh, hit the home button on the device three times, and you can toggle voiceover on and off if you want to share with a sighted person. Yep. So, you know, that's changed the paradigm. So now, now what we have is um, we have on one side Apple with the built-in voiceover capability. And on the other side, we have what maybe some people could call a Google tax. Mm-hmm. You know, because, because the screen reader that's, that's available in, in, in Android can't be turned on independently by a blind person. Right. Um, at least, at least in in the implementations of Android that I've seen and that I've read about, right. it can't be. You can't pick up an Android phone and be guaranteed that you can turn the screen reader on independently. Um, and even if you do get the screen reader on, it's not it's not to the to the stage of development where voiceover is, and and there's no nobody's made any promises that it ever will be. Right. And so, and so. What we, what some of us would say is there's a Google tax. It would be like it would be like going to a movie theater and and um, you know where they offer a description. You bought your ten dollar ticket, and they offer the headsets. With oops, if you want that, you got to pay another five bucks. Yeah, for the headset. Yeah, and I, I just don't think that um, you know once upon a time we were we were okay with that as a blind community. It's no longer appropriate now. So where where do you see um, Windows headed in the next few years? As far as accessibility, do you think Microsoft is ever going to build a screen reader in? Would you ever want them to? Well, I they almost well they don't have to, but I mean I, I think that I think we're going to see. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna predict when, but I've heard some rumblings about this, and and I think we're going to see a built-in screen reader in Windows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's going to be Windows 8 or not. Right. Um, but but I think I think that's coming. Um, really, I think we're going to have a built-in screen reader. Is it? You see, you see, Windows is a different animal altogether from the Mac. Right. Because 
Windows is a lot more open. Exactly. It's like the Wild West. There are so many ways for developers to write user interfaces for computer programs. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like it's not like Apple where there's only there's a few ways to do things and most people write in this language called Cocoa and and you know there there are some specific ways in which you know apps can be made accessible. And there's a, there's an API for that. Um, in Windows, you know, you you have UI automation, right? Um, but if somebody doesn't use UI automation, um, then there's this sort of build an off-screen model, which is a description of all the elements on the screen, and then I try to access the information out of the off-screen model. So in that environment, in the Wild West, and in, in the continuing Wild West environment that is Windows, I'm not sure if a built-in screen reader is going to be up to the challenge of dealing with. Um, apps that say were not written using UI automation, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know, with the old style apps essentially where they have to use an off-screen model. I'm not sure that it's going to be up to that challenge. And then, you know, is it going to have the capability, you know, when when an app is not really accessible, is it going to have any scripting or configurability to be uh, reprogrammed to adapt to the situation? Right. I mean, I can't see it. I mean, even voiceover. The configure the configurability of voiceover is somewhat limited. However, again, the Mac environment is different, and more apps are just just work with it out of the box because of the way apps are written on the Mac. Right. It's not like that on Windows, and I just worry that um, here's the worry with a built-in screen reader. So, if we have a built-in screen reader on Windows, but we still need a screen reader because it isn't sufficient. Will the will the rehabilitation system recognize that or not? Mm-hmm. See, if they don't, then that's going to suck a lot of uh, funding and resources out of the screen reader portion of the assistive technology industry. And what are we going to be left with? Right. How are we going to compete? You know, we need as much as we don't like to spend eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars on Jaws, mm-hmm. or you know, a little bit less on Window Eyes. Those screen readers have some very, very, very powerful scripting capabilities and configurability. Yes. That aren't found in any other solutions. So if I'm on a job, I mean, my wife Karen is on a job where she uses a property management system that would be totally inaccessible if she had to use, you know, like um, NVDA or system access or voiceover or something like that. Right. They, they um, she uses JAWS, mm-hmm. and extensive, extensive scripting was done in order to make that application work for her. Right. We're talking about people's jobs here, folks. Um, We're talking about the ability of blind guys and gals to make a living, or not. Yeah, and I think it's easy for people just to kind of make a snap judgment, or you know, yeah, let's do away with all the the paid screen readers, and without thinking through some of the things that you just laid out there. I mean, this this is serious business. You know, if you put a company out of business, what are the ramifications of that? Tragic. I mean, tragic not just for that company and its employees, but for the entire for the entire blind community. You could you could have you could have people you could have blind men and women losing their jobs out there or not being able to get jobs. Right. And. You know, you're talking to someone who lost his job because of technology that wouldn't be made accessible. Yeah, this is very, this is very serious. And I think sometimes we all talk about, 
different, you know, this technology or that technology. We get into these these debates and these these hypothetical discussions. But, you know, really, it comes down to some very real factors that are not hypothetical, like the ability to put food on your table <laughs> exactly. or, if nothing else, to just live live in dignity. Yeah, I, I hear you, and I agree totally. And th- and that's also why I believe in choice. Um, you know, if if a if a note taker, if if a if a specialized note taker is what it takes to, um, you know, for someone I care about to to do their job, then I'm going to support their use of that specialized note taker. Darn it! Right. And right. if an iPhone is more appropriate, then I'm going to support the use of an iPhone. Exactly. And there are people that are successfully using the Samsung Haven and love it and don't need a lot of the functionality that is available in other phone solutions. And you I know. think they don't they're missing, but that's okay. <laughs> and that's that's probably true. Uh, but I, I think you know some of them would argue, hey, I don't pay it. Don't pay for a data plan. I don't pay. You know. So um, I mean, I, I think that you said it earlier when you said choice really is important, and the more Absolutely. the better. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time to visit with us. Um, it sounds like that you had a great experience uh, at CSUN, got to do some really important work, some important advocacy work, as you are known for doing. And um, I trust that uh, you will be back and join us again, and we'll talk about more technology-related um, stuff. Um, yes, I would like to uh, let everyone know that... Um uh, my friend Allison and I did a number of interviews with vendors okay. at CSUN, and uh, within the next uh, within the next uh, probably four to six days, they will start appearing up on BlindAccessJournal.com. It's our first you know journalism project at a conference, so um, you know we we're uh, I'm I'm working on them right now. I'm doing some post production editing work on them. And um, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I know that, you know, um, some other awesome journalists like uh, Blind Bargain and Serotech did a lot of interviews. So um, I hope we hit some different points. Um, I think we may have on a couple of them. So uh, I had some interesting conversations that uh, vendors were willing to have with me on the record that, that came out with some uh, points that I haven't seen elsewhere. So I hope that all of you will visit blindaccessjournal.com in the coming days and check out our work and uh, give us some feedback and tell us what you think. Very good. Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us. And we've been visiting with Daryl and his wife Karen has been very quiet, but she's been here as well. So Daryl Shandro for Main Menu. Our thanks to Chase Crispin for that excellent tutorial. Until next time, this is Jamie Pauls wishing you and yours a great week.